Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Toss to Turbin. Turbin's in for the touchdown. Have point, play with some heart, play with passion. Turbin is in. He gets the call. On second down and goal, pushes it through, and the Colts have scored a touchdown. Let's Welcome to our first ever roundtable. We're discussing everything social injustice and race. Rob, take it away. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Turbo Talk Live. Appreciate all all of our listeners for being patient, all of our viewers for being patient uh, as we were working through some uh, technical difficulties to get the show started. I want to introduce. uh -uh. There were not technical difficulties. No. (laughs) I'm going to call out my favorite guys here. Tardiness. All right. That's where it was at. <laughs> Guys, all, everyone you know, except for our fantastic Hillary here, our, our lovely men, we're all tardy. Hey. So, you know what? The show is all about honesty and being real. You know, it's cutthroat. It is cutthroat on the show. You I, know. I just want you to know but, that I care about you guys. You know, Rob and I, are tr- we're trying to do our jobs here. So, you know. Yeah, you know, well, look, I, you know, you know me, where I come from, we don't, you know, we don't snitch, so. I don't know about I don't know about the background, you know, you come from Bridge, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I did say transparent. <laughs> you know, to a certain extent. <laughs> well, thanks for you know, thanks for being patient all of our viewers. We have some special guests on the show. Our very first round table like Bridget mentioned. Um we've got Hillary Roberts, okay, who is really strong in the youth. All right, taught for 35 years, has her own business, Peer Advocates. Is that correct? Yes, Peer Advocates Training Consulting in Oakland, California. Wonderful, wonderful. She has some very, very uh, cool insight on uh, on things transpiring in our nation. Uh, we've got Darius Butler, nine-year uh, NFL vet, uh, most recently with the Colts, retired after the 2017 season, uh, been huge uh, on uh, talking about you know, what's going on in our nation. Uh, you have your own podcast. Is that is that right as well? Yeah, it'll be, it'll be, we'll actually be starting a podcast tomorrow, actually. Uh, man to Man, it's going to be me and Antoine Bethea. You know, okay, uh, and what's the name of it? The Colts. It's going to be called Man to Man. And uh, we're oh, going to shoot our first episode tomorrow. Yeah, we're going to be shooting our first episode tomorrow. And uh, awesome. you know, right in the middle of this, I think, what, what better time than now? And you've had another talk, like a, another talk show that you've been doing. Is that correct? It's called... Uh, yeah, everything DB. Everything DB. Really, um, specific. Yeah, specific like to the defensive backs, and not not talking just football, but and off the field things as well. So, um, it's a lot of lot of conversations we need to be having with each other right now. Great, great. We've got Ricardo Lockett, formerly of the Seattle Seahawks and the San Francisco 49ers, seven year vet, retired now, wide receiver, uh, uh, gunner. I mean, you name it, Locke did it. Locke punts, uh, everything, man. Welcome to the show, Locke. Welcome back to the show, you know. Yeah, appreciate you for having me. I think I want to say I was on your first episode. The very first episode at the Super Bowl in Miami. My very first guest was Locke. So, man, I'm excited to have him back to be a part of this roundtable and help uh, really push change uh, into our nation, right? That's what it's all about, using our platform. 
Absolutely. And last but not least, uh, Donovan Carter from the hit HBO show Ballers coming on uh, to be a part of this episode, our very first round table coming back on the podcast as well from being on uh, some time ago. Uh, DC, what's going on with you? Hey, what's going on, boss, man? Appreciate appreciate the love. Being on here another time, man. Let's do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's get into it, man. Um, and, I, and you know, obviously my, my, my co-host who's, you know, probably been my right hand throughout this whole thing. I couldn't do this show without her, Bridget Case. How's it going, Bridge? Hanging in over here. Ready Hanging to in. go. Ready to go? Let's do this. Yeah. Let's get into it. Yeah, no, Let's get absolutely. into it. Well, I, I'm so excited to be doing this because I think Rob and I have ran a couple shows since, you know, we've been talking about race, racial injustice in the country. And it's so um, important to have this conversation with more people than just us and, you know, one other person. So I'm so excited to have multiple voices joining in. So first rule of thumb at the round table, please jump in. It's okay to interrupt each other, talk over each other, whatever it may be. This is your time, your platform. So please just get in there. Um, but Rob, I want you guys to know, has been so impactful in the community as far as making big strides in change. So you're up in the Sacramento area. I know that you've met with government officials looking to seek out change, reform. What can we do next? I want to talk a little bit before we get into everything with the rest of our guests, what you're doing right now to kind of set an example for us. Yeah, right now it's a lot of game planning, a lot of notes being taken uh, a PowerPoint presentation that we're putting together. And it's really the officials that are down uh, up in, in, in San Francisco in that area. And we call it our Peace Council. That's the name of it. Yeah. And we've gotten, I've gotten together with some of the other players, uh, Marcus Peters of the Ravens and, and Dante Pettis of the San Francisco 49ers and, and, and others uh, who are part of the community there, uh, an attorney, um, et cetera. And, uh, you know, really hearing a lot of different perspectives, it really, you know, motivated me to want to do and inspired me to want to do a roundtable because it's like, man, I got I got an opportunity to hear from people with different backgrounds, different perspectives. They come from just a, a whole different vantage point. And together we're able to c- c- accumulate, uh, you know, ideas on on how we can, you know, help the world be a better place. And uh, and I can't tell you our our full plan. Uh, but we do uh, plan on eventually, you know, taking this up to 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 D.C. and 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 really presenting uh, something valuable uh, that I think will help bring change uh, to our world. And so uh, we'll we'll see how it how it ends up, you know, turning out at the end of it. But, uh, you know, we're going to do the best we can, uh, you know, behind the scenes uh, to make sure that, uh, you know, the social injustices. Uh, really get ironed out uh, in our country. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know you guys are all very, very passionate about the same things that Rob uh, is, but I have one major question that is just so pressing. Um, Hillary and I were actually talking about this earlier today. The act itself of George Floyd being murdered on camera is extremely shocking and people seeing it. But why did it take that for people to all of a sudden notice that this is a problem in our country. Hillary, do you want to answer that? Sure. Um, why did it take people so long to notice? Which people? 
you know, lots of people noticed it, lots of people know it, but nobody's listening to the voices of the people who've been seeing it. And, um, you know, I, I didn't grow up in a family where, I grew up in a family where we saw what we could see as a white family. We saw, you know, my father was a civil rights activist. He was a um, freedom rider. He was uh, in the Congress on Racial Equality, a uh, union organizer. He raised us. He said, everybody in the world is in your backyard. And the fact that, you know, when you say, uh, why did it take a crisis for, for people to wake up? I mean, there, there, it's, uh, it's really sad. It really is sad that it's taken somebody to die again for people to wake up. I also think that this COVID vi virus has opened people up in a way. We're really isolated. You know, you talk about, when you talk about the prison system, you talk about the two things that people who go to prison, the two things that are the most intolerable to people. One is to be restrained and the other is to be isolated. And I believe that's mm -hmm. what's happening in this COVID virus. And that's what happens in prison, of course. This is most intolerant. So maybe that woke some people up. But it's pretty infuriating when people, I, I find when they say, oh, I didn't realize, I didn't know. And that's a big problem with all so many systems. And I can talk as an educator, it's a big problem in the school system and the, in the, I'm sorry, I'm gonna go on a little bash. I'm from the Bronx, I'm from New York. Well, I, have, I, have a, I have a question, I'm sorry. I, you said your dad said you have people in your backyard. What is that? Is that what you said? What is that? Yeah, or did said, I get the, What does no, that mean? He said that um, we have to care about everybody. He okay. said he like when like when people in the world were struggling or suffering, it's like people say, well, that's not our country. And if people in another neighborhood in New York, not in the Bronx, whatever, were mm -hmm. struggling and it's like, well, that's not our problem. It was our problem. My father mm. saw it as our problem. He said, everybody in the world is in your our backyard. And when they're not okay, we're not okay. Mm. That was the message that, that he gave us and my three sisters. Okay. Does that make sense, Donovan? Yeah, yeah no, nah, it made sense. I, I get it. I just, I never heard that statement. I'm like, why can't we be in the front yard? What's, what's the backyard? About? Oh. That's, <laughs> that's my thing. <laughs> I, feel like, well, I mean, I didn't have a front yard. I grew up on like, an apartment building in New York City. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm like, yeah. I don't, that's what I'm trying to, I'm no, like, I, what, I know what does that mean? Saying. I hear you, yeah. I hear you. I yeah. mean, the thing is really, he's saying they're in our home. He's Got you. The, the Bronx is different. I've been to the Bronx. It's, it's different over there, man, like. Yeah, but perhaps that. that's the issue, though, right? You brought up the fact that, hey, you know, something's going on in another country and people look at it and say, well, that's not our country, right? Something's going on in another neighborhood and people are looking at it like, well, that's not our neighborhood, right? That's a that's a direct correlation to what's going on racially, right? You know, we're talking about Black Lives Matter and we're seeing, you know, these events happen, you know, on camera for the public to see and perhaps... That's what people are looking at. That's what you know. People of of of, of other descent are looking at was, hey, well, that's not us. You know, perhaps we don't have anything to do with that, so we're not going to do yeah. anything about that. What do you what do you have to say about that, DB? Yeah, I think. I mean, I think that's always been the case since the beginning of of our time here in this country together. You know, our problems have never been you know anybody else's problems. So um, even though we've had help and allies. We, 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 we carry the weight of that every day, you know, walking around in the skin. So, 
And we also see that when we go through our stuff that it's not like everybody's problem. So it, it, it's, it's not anything new. And we've seen um, the George, the George uh, Floyd murder was so um, horrific and so bad and that everybody was still, like you said, everybody was home. Everybody saw and it was like slow. It was, it was like torture. Yeah. But we've seen things that, you know, the Emmett Till, like Emmett and his killers getting off. We've seen Rodney King getting beat, uh, you know, within the bringing off. the beginning, we haven't truly been viewed or treated as equal. And even now, um, my 34 years, this is the first time I can remember um, collectively, not only in the, uh, you see athletes uh, speaking out more, using that platform and power more, but um, just people, I'm sure, in their, in their general workplaces. Like I know people in other workplaces that, you know, Everybody's having these conversations. Is now like, like black people just got created or something? Yeah, but it's no. like it's, it's 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 also it's also like like where the hell y'all been this whole time? It's not like black people just got dropped in this, in this like here. You know what I mean? So now everybody's aware and everybody's eyes is open. And it's I mean, so it's kind of like both sides. It's like you hear it, but at the same time, it's like well, let me let me take, ask you I mean, guys. I know for me, it's like some of it is like I take it. Yeah. Let me ask you guys this. And this is a two part question. Uh, And Hillary touched on this a little bit earlier. You know, do you think that COVID is a direct correlation of everybody being able to see uh, what has transpired, therefore causing reaction from more than what we would normally get? And the second part to that question is, um, is it is it is it the fact that the events are happening? Or is it more about the fact that we don't see the consequences, you know, being being, you know, hammered down after these events happen? I'll start with you, Donovan. Uh, yeah, I think I think for oh, there we go. I think for sure being at home, you know, we have nothing else to do but but how these talks, you know, you yeah. you got nothing else to do with how these uncomfortable talks, sitting this emotion that you didn't build seeing what's that happening, you know, and it's just constantly just over. I mean, Buddy just got shot in Atlanta um, the other day. You know, same thing. It's just it's just something that just keeps constantly happening, and it's just like, and you only see it happen to be black people. That's my thing. Like, I know it, it, police brutality happens to everybody, but I don't see everybody else dying but, but somebody of color. So I think, you know, as, as time, you know, things going to open, it's going to be more distractions. I just hope we just keep having these talks, man, and keep exposing people. Because that's the thing. We just got to speak up because we see it. People just let stuff slide, you know, between. But what comes after speaking up? What comes after that? I'm sorry. What'd you say? I didn't hear you. What comes after speaking up? You know, man, holding people accountable, like letting them know, like, that's not right. Or identify who they are and just not rocking with him at all. And that's my thing. If that's how you're going to be, at least I know. So I know I, I'll go the other way. Right. Right. Absolutely. Ricardo, what do you think on this, man? Do you think it's a, it's a, it's a direct correlation of, of, of COVID, everybody in the house, you know, feeling a little bit restless and, 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 do you feel like it, it's more about the consequences not being, uh, you know, enabled on our on our officers uh, or, you know, the people who are who are committing these crimes more so than the events themselves happening? 
I think I think it's something that's been happening a while. Uh, it's just people are the internet and social media and all of that stuff is just is happening now, so you can see it like right now. If you think about it, like even uh, would you say early two thousands, nineteen, you know, whatever, whatever. We when we were in high school and middle school and all that, like we. We didn't even have a cell phone and stuff like that. And if we had, you know, the internet, we had AOL dial-up. And then, you know, you might use, you know, certain things. But now... I had the instant message. Up, I had it. walk around. Yeah, now you can walk around and you got, you know, you can go live within seconds. And then yeah. the whole world can see it. And then they can, even if you delete it, they still can, you know, so it's that thing. So now it's kind of like the world is seeing what's going on. And, you know, for me... Uh, being an athlete, I didn't really uh, go through a lot of it, to be honest, because, um, you know, typically it's, you know, hey, he's the fast guy. He's the strong guy. You know, come to the front of the line. You know, he's the guy that, you know, is going to take our school to, you know, win the title this year. This, that's all. I've, all. I've always been that guy. But honestly, it only really hit me within the last couple of months when it was like, wow, like, dang, this black guy did this and then he got killed. Then I'm like, dang, well. He was, he was kind of fighting back a little bit. You know, I was that guy. And then mm. after a while, it was like, okay, then another one happened. Then another one happened, and I was like, well, he really can do nothing. Then another one happened, and then, like you say, just recently, the guy in Atlanta, and then the George Floyd, and the Sandra, and all of that. And it's just like, hold on. Something's not right here. Even though it's never happened to me, something's something not right. And then, you know, so you, it has nothing to do with COVID has nothing to do with any of that. It has something to do with how people are raised because babies aren't raised. To, the babies don't come out and saying, you know, I hate black people, I hate Chinese people, I hate, you know, um, whatever. I hate Polynesian sauce. You have to be taught all of this stuff. <laughs> yes, you have to try Polynesian it. Sauce. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like, no matter what it is. Well, let's talk about that, because where does racism start? I know this is something that Hillary's so well-versed in since you work with children, and then you guys who have all played football all your life. I mean, where does it start if you're not talking about it, but it's still there? Hillary, do you want to answer that? Well, I mean, I just, I think exactly what um, what Ricardo was saying. It's taught at home. It's taught in communities, but it's it's really rampant. I see it. I saw it in education and educational systems um, to have. I learned about the Tulsa massacres at home as a child. That was very unusual. Um, I learned this stuff. My my parents taught me this stuff. And so, um, but going to school and having traditional history classes and the books I read, I mean, I'm a lot older. I'm 63 years old. You know, I'm a grandma. And I was a little kid growing up in the Bronx, Manhattan. And Yes, I know. I look good, right? I know you're okay, but uh, seriously, I, I we're still reading those same books. What's that? I know, and, and <laughs> you know, it's crazy. And then you see not only that, but not only do you see this in textbooks, and you see it in you see it in um, the the English books. What books are we reading? I, one of my friends, my friend's sons, she's African American. He came home. He said, "Mom, we're reading a book about a black boy." But it's written by a white author, and I just like want to just scream. Are you? Can I curse? No. Yeah, yeah you, you can. Kidding? Absolutely. Are you kidding me? You know. <laughs> so I just, um, I'm gonna never get any work again. Okay, but I don't care. But here's the thing. I honestly, and then you know, I ran a peer program. I trained youth to counsel other youth. I taught international dance. I, I, I did a number of really wonderful things. 
Uh, when I ran that peer program, I, my school in Fremont was 6% black. I had to put out the word, please recommend kids to the program. I would never, and I'm not kidding, ever get teachers, and these are teachers, these are educators who care about their kids, recommending kids of color, recommending black kids. And it was like, are you kidding me? And then I'd have to send out an email, say, could you recommend some black kids? Can you see them? Can you please see them? My husband taught at the school. He would recommend kids, black kids. And mm -hmm. it was just it was just a trip. So it isn't just, it's so systemic. You know, for me as an educator, like, you know, if you're a hammer, everything's a nail. It, you know, as a teacher, everything is about education for me and about who's getting educated and in what. So this has to start, you said, where does it start? It starts at home, it starts in our communities, who's in our, who represents us in Congress, who's on the television. And once you start seeing it, you can't unsee it. You, uh, hopefully you right. can't unsee it. So when you are, you're watching the television and there are no black people on the TV in that commercial, right? You can't unsee that, but that's what we, that's, and we, my team teaches about diversity and inclusion, okay? And we do this training for the city of Oakland. We do it with many, many, with school districts, with youth. My whole curriculum that I wrote, the whole beginning of training youth to be counselors, your counselors, is all about prejudice awareness, all about um, your value structure, your frame of reference, because you cannot go in and communicate and be a peer counselor if you have, your lenses are so clouded that you cannot see your own prejudices, right? Mm. Oh yeah. So yeah. So I'm I'm pretty furious. I mean, this whole thing is like when you say, "Why did this finally um, break out?" It didn't for a lot of people. People have been living this for years and years and years. But which yeah. people are finally seeing it? It makes me right. completely crazy. So. Right. No, absolutely. I agree. It, <laughs> you know, I never could understand how you could you could teach a young person to to, you know, not like someone simply because of their ethnicity. It, uh, it's yeah, I, I could I could never really understand that. Um, I want to shift yeah, gears a, lot, a little bit. Go ahead. Go ahead, DB. No, I was I was saying a lot of it. Um, I feel like true racism. I know I was reading a book recently by Dr. Clark. Can you hear me? Yep. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So um, it's a book uh, written by uh, Dr. Clark Anderson. It's called P Power Nomics, and he talks about kind of like the true true racism, like when it's it's one race that controls basically a majority of the resources and, and money. And they use that to um, keep another another race oppressed. So, like that's the racism that we've been suffering. You know, like I said, since the beginning. So, racism in the sense of I'm going to I'm going to favor a black person over a white person, or a white person over a black person. I don't think that's ever going anywhere. Like that's it's almost natural in a sense. Like if I saw you know two people in need and one of them look more like me like i'm more likely to help that person like that's so you don't normal. think that'll the ever change we're in Is no i don't saying? think no i don't think that's i mean it's about how it's i think it's about how it's practiced and, and the laws that's practiced and even when the laws are put on paper how are those laws exercised you know in, in these different situations so like like the education like we talked about like she, the same books um she was reading back in 1963 we're still getting read to in 2020. Like it's it's a you know a whitewashed uh, form of history, you know not only American history but world history. So 
that's where it starts. So it, and on every level, it's so deep rooted that it's not so much, oh, I don't like my white neighbor, like me not white liking him or him not liking me. Is it me not liking him isn't affecting how his kids being educated or the job opportunities he may have or their interactions with the police. Him not liking me, that 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 oppression, that's gonna affect me completely different. So that's the racism that that we're dealing with and that we uh suffering the hands that it's not so much of liking one race over another. I think that's kind of not right or okay, but it's kind of normal. It's kind of like you see a Jewish, Jewish person probably gonna like a Jewish, like you just you just have that many similarities together. So that's kind of, and it's not like I dislike you because you're white, but like we just got more in common. So I don't think that's necessarily going anywhere. I think the different practices that we uh that we that we see in in the workplace or and all over. Um, that's what really affects people. Is there a way to overcome that, though? Yeah, yeah, same question. Yeah, of course. How? Yeah, for for me, um, it, the way to overcome that it, it starts for me in this country, especially, is economics. Um, and I think if and it and it's on both ends of it. So obviously, we started behind the eight ball. That's you know saying it lightly with slavery. And you got to however many your head start with as far as the resources, as far as writing the laws, as far as exercising the laws. So at some point, we have to collectively start, um, you know, practicing more group economics. Obviously, we're going to have. We should, in my opinion, get some sort of reparations of of whether it's, you know, taxes or or going to college free, whatever it may be. Uh, You know, we've seen over these past few months, they can print money. So it's not like the the, uh, ability isn't there and they've given reparations to other people. So it's like the people that built this country should have that as well. And then your hiring practices. When you look at a lot of these people writing these statements, and I put this on a post on Instagram the other day, a lot of these people writing statements, Reebok, Under Armour, Nike, ESPN, the list goes on. And then you look at their C-level executives, and you don't see any black people. So you mm. can talk all you want. You can throw money at certain issues. But if you're not changing the system, nothing's going to really change. Because like I said, that whole going back to the racism thing, the reason you don't see black gyms and black head coaches is because the decision makers are white, so they're more, going to be more likely to hire white guys. Like that's just how it is. You saw when Tony Judge, first black head coach to win the Super Bowl, he put a lot of other black coaches in position to succeed, and that's just that's the only way to see. But so there's still the change. same amount of black NFL head coaches in the league that there was in, I believe it was 2003. Why is that? Why, why hasn't it changed? I mean, it's that's why I just said like the decision. Like you don't, if you don't see the change at the GM level, you're not going to see it at the head coach level for the most part, because those are the guys usually responsible for hiring those guys, or the president or whoever. Um, obviously, all the owners are white, so it just it's like a trickle down effect. So the more opportunity that the people, and it's not like we've all around again we've played the game we've been a part we've been a part of staffs where we know okay that coach should be a coordinator by now that coach should be a head coach by now you see him get passed over and over and over and you so it's it's it, until the practices truly change that that's you know that'll be the real change it's not going to be any Rooney rule or anything yeah Rob and I've had this conversation like yeah, yeah Rob, Rob's great. you have some good points on that yeah absolutely. I mean I'm, I think I think too like honestly like what year did you say? Two thousand three. I, I gosh, it, it's mid two thousands, mid to early two thousands, yeah, like, around there. From, from mid two thousands to now, like nothing's changed at all. Like that's why it's been no coaches. Like you said, nobody in the front office has changed. But honestly, from two thousand to now, I mean, you would think we had a black president, 
you know, you see we got black billionaires, but it just really at the end of the day, it's still it's still it doesn't matter. Like the system is how the system is. And I don't even know how it's going to change. Like we're going to have to have another planet or, or a free a different world because it because, it, 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 you know, it, y'all, we came over here, forced over here for as slaves. So it's just this how it was. And the deck, you know, the Declaration of Independence is still how it is. Like it got it has to change on a top level for for other things to mm. trickle down, I think. That's a great point. That's a great point. Guys, I, I want to talk about this. I want to ask you this because obviously it's been a, uh, the Black Lives Matter has been such a strong movement uh, this year. And Donovan, I totally agree with you. Everything, everything starts from the top down. I believe yeah. with organizations, like in sports, to be successful, the ones that are constantly in the hunt, constantly winning, is because they have great ownership and it trickles down. Right, right. Um, I think oh. the same is is for you know our country. Yeah, I only only case I haven't seen that is the last dance with Chicago Bulls. I didn't know their organization was terrible. No, they, but I would I would I I would I would disagree with that because even man, though they okay. didn't like one another, right? They still ran. I, I would disagree. I would disagree with I that don't too. Know. Yeah, they I ran a know. formidable organization. You. you know, they didn't like one another, but it, but it was a very formidable organization. They figured they it out. Decisions. They figured it out. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. But you, but you would think it was smooth. That's what I'm saying. Before, yeah, not, that's yeah. not knowing about the Bulls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before yeah. that, and that's the thing. Like you just have to, you have to figure it out. Like, yeah, they found a way to figure it out, and that's how. Hopefully, with what's going on right now, we just we figure it out somehow. So, so I, I, you know, I posted a a trailer of uh, of our show earlier today on uh, on Instagram, and uh, I was kind of going back and forth with uh, one of the one of the people in in the comments, and and one of the things that he said, yeah, and you know, obviously the Black Lives Matter, and I'm sure you guys have have heard this as well. It's you 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 get that question about you know you know well well what about what about black on black crime or black on white crime or or all lives matter. Uh, what do you guys, you know, what do you guys have to say? I'll start with you, uh, Darius. You know, what do you have to say to people who come back with that, with those statements? Oh, it's, I mean, it's the cop, cop out for one. Um, you know, you, you, you talk about you talk about one one issue and, you know, if you talk about diabetes, you're not going to bring up cancer. But uh, if you really want to talk about uh, black on black crime, for one, you don't have to have a conversation with a lot of black people because, uh, unfortunately, we know the situations that a lot of these people are in that are causing the black on black crime. Like when you see these shootings in different cities or you see something going on, if you're in those cities, if you're in those neighborhoods, like you kind of know what's going on. You're like, oh, okay, that happened to so-and-so, so something happened to him. All right, we got to stay out of that area. That area hot right now. Like, like you know why the stuff is happening now. Some, somebody, some innocent bystander, something gets shot. You know, now that's when you have the outcry and stuff. But as far as the black on black crime, if you put any people, any large group of people in a limited space with limited resources, like you're only going to have one outcome, delivering opportunity. So um, those situations were created to um, like black on black crime is like the result of that. But uh, obviously you take uh, ownership on every decision that you make. But if you are handed a, a, a group of options, like people are going to make certain decisions like that's just that's just what it is so the black on black crime i mean people kill and 
who they're living in proximity with. Like, you know, white on white right. crime, black on black, Asian on Asian crime, like whoever you're living around typically is gonna be killing people. And uh, if you add in poverty and, and terrible living situations, like that's gonna escalate it in any area with any color of people. Right, right. Lock, Absolutely. You wanna chime in on this? Yeah, for sure. Um, so for me, is is whatever the topic is. So it's pretty much if, if I say, okay, what we eating tonight? What you cook? This is it's, it's like it's so many different things you can always say outside of answering the question. You know. So right. once we deal with this topic, once we get that subject, you know, like like you said, it's a cop out. So is right. if I ask you why are more black people being killed by police officers than somebody else. But why are black people killing black people? That's not what we're talking about. I just, I, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So just yeah. because, I mean, because yeah. Asian people kill Asian people, white people kill white people. I mean, they're, I mean, they're, we're not talking about a certain percentage or if it's a, you know, whatever. We're just saying that black people kill black people. And that's true. All people kill all people. Yeah. But at the end of the day, uh, if someone is hired to do a job and your job is public safety, Thank you. And the person that you swore sworn in to do a job, then that means you're supposed to do your job. This person that's uh that got his house broken into, or this guy that got you know cheated on by his wife, and then he went and killed other black, you know, all of that. That's that's like you say, that's circumstantial. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of people that were sworn in to do something, and they're only using excessive force against one race. Yeah. And like you say, um, I don't know if they ever will because the star on the badge comes from um, uh, nigger patrol back in the day. And that's what it was. Nigger mm -hmm. patrol went to sheriff, to the sheriff's badge. And that was the same badge that they, they used for almost all yeah. officers. Slave patrol, yeah. Right. Wow. Slave patrol, exactly. So at the end of the day, that's where it comes from. And like you say, with black people raising, like, yeah, like if I see Turbo somewhere, and me and him at a bar, uh, he's a Seahawk and you got a 49er and blah, 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 blah. I'm going more reluctant to help Turbo. I'm going to get Turbo a drink first. So at the end of the day, like you say, you, I, I don't know how you would change um, the NFL as far as that because most of the teams are family owned. So with that being mm -hmm. said, they're going to have a nephew. They're going to have a daughter. They're going to have a son that's all been trained in saying the same thing and thinking the same way. So the only way you make black owners is you come with black owners that those kids and those families change their ideology and i don't think that has anything to do with what i'm going to do today right mm. no that, that's, that's a great way to think about it i mean you lots of you guys do have kids what do you tell your children when you're just preparing them to go out in the world that's tough i think i think i think i think it depends on your environment i think uh you have to realize where you live because I think you tell your kids different things if you live in Atlanta in comparison to uh, New York or LA, or uh, if you live in Idaho, you know, you not, might not go through the same things. That certain, so I think it all depends on that. Um, I think for sure all black people uh, look at the police when they ride by, even if they have insurance, <laughs> registration, Everything. tank full of gas, no matter the situation, <laughs> you're going to be like, don't look back, don't look back. And it's just, it's just that's how we were raised. Yeah. And, it, and we did that in middle school, high school. We first started driving, like, they were the police, they were the police. But uh, I don't know. My friends still do it now, and I, I still do it. Do it. Much.
Yeah, I so Rob, you have you have explicit yeah. experience of being pulled yeah. over so many times in a oh, row. Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I I do, you know, and I've What's I've been told door? it was because of, of I'm black and my hat is backwards and all this kind of stuff. All these, you know, all these, all wow. these, all these lame excuses. But Hillary, you look a little antsy over there. Yeah, I'm okay. The I'm, I'm listening. Oh my, I'm listening. I'm learning, and I'm. I'm totally engaged in this. I'm not antsy. I'm I'm just so angry, you know. Yeah. And, and yeah. Uh, just so just in, so infuriating, you know. Well, I wanna I wanna I wanna shift gears not too much, just just a little bit. Uh, we've been talking about uh, this topic: uh, defund the police, police reform. Um, you know, DB. I'll start with you on this. What's the difference between those two? And and how would that benefit uh, you know our our policing, in your opinion? Uh, from what I from what I understand, um, and I wouldn't say it's a lot, but from what I understand, it's just basically it's more more so reform than defunding. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw somebody make the example the other day of you know a few months ago we saw our medical professionals you know some of them wearing trash bags and and reusing masks and all this type of stuff, and then when you know, uh, unrest, or protests, whatever happens, you see the police come out with all the top of the line Call of Duty gear on. So, like, obviously, these funds they be going to <laughs> different uh, uh, things. And then when you're talking about defunding the police, it's more so about just reforming the whole system. Just because, like you said, it it came from slave patrol. But you know, like the situation that happened with the young man in Atlanta, like if a different group of people were sent there. Uh, uh, outside of police officers, like maybe social workers or people who are trained to deal with people who are, you know, inebriated or, or under some kind of influence, it would have had a completely different outcome than him being shot dead. So it's about having people in different, uh, because you can just call police for anything. You call the police, uh, you call the police traffic, you call the police somebody sleeping apart. Like you, you shouldn't just call the same person for everything. There's no other industry that works like that. If you're, even if you're playing football, like, everybody has different specific roles on a football team. So you can't just call the head coach, come here and tape an ankle. Like something gonna go wrong, so. Yeah. Can I say something? Absolutely. Um, I, you know, I used to work yeah, with an organization called Concern Compassionate Response Network. And we were a group of um, seven instructors. This young guy, um, Jacob Savage started the program and uh, we worked in the Tenderloin of San Francisco. Um, we were training people to go out and work with people who lived on the streets. And um, I was teaching all the communication skills. We had one guy, um, Eric Milosevic, who lives now in Texas, but he was from L.A. They called him Yoga Cop. Hadn't, hadn't fired his gun in years. He saw all the, the stuff that was going on in the police force. Another woman, Lakiba Pittman, who was the Compassion Cultivation Coordinator. We had a doctor, a nurse, a social worker. And we were going out and training young people, all people, to go out in the streets and work with people who didn't have homes. And also Lava May, which is the portable shower unit. I trained those people in the communication skill. And also having worked with teens who had serious emotional issues and, and knowing that if you had a 5150 a kid, you don't call the police or somebody, you just don't call the police. And we had so much trouble getting into the San Francisco Police Department to partner. It wasn't my business. I was just one of the trainers. And 
to get the SFPD, I'm going to get hung for this, I think, or, you know, uh, something. But I, to get them to, that was a bad metaphor. It was a, um, but really, to get them to partner with this organization to go out and help people on the streets. But now it's like maybe it's exactly, you know, what Ricardo said. It's all, it's all being filmed, and now they have to make a change. And, <coughs> I'm sorry. You know, I was I was going to ask, you know, one of the things that I thought about, you know, just just hearing you speak, Hillary, is is, uh, you know, has to do with the justice system a little bit. You know, I saw a post. With two guys, one of color, one not who committed the same exact crime in the same state, right, same city and two different sentences. Why is that? Why is that, Locke? So. Uh, well, my grand my granddad is a is a superior court judge. So sometimes uh, you can get two different judges, and as a, and or it depends on the jury, you know. Um, Same judge, yeah. actually, it was. It, well, the, the the case that I saw, I wish I could I could pull it up, but but it yeah. seems it was it was from Instagram, but it seems overall. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm not sure, but it seems overall that that seems to be the case, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, we get, we get more, more, more harsh sentences, uh, than others. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure I understand why that is. And then from the police aspect of it, it seems like, you know, these killings that have happened in the past, right. These guys get a slap on the wrist or paid leave. Right. Why do you think that is Donovan? Here you go. Oh, or Darius. Go ahead. Go ahead. DB. Yeah, go. Yeah, go DB. Oh, all right. I, just, I mean, I just think it goes back to what we talked to from the beginning, like that the same value is put on our lives. Um, so you saw, I, I, I know you guys all remember the Brock Turner case, uh, yeah. whatever college he was at, and he barely, I don't think he had any real jail time. Um, and it's been cases that I've seen where the judge literally says, like, he makes his, you know, his, 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 uh, his make bangs gavel, and he says, you know, oh, because this kid has a bright future or he has this ahead of him or that ahead of him that we don't want to mess that up. We're going to jail. But when it comes to us, you know, we can be, you know, 16, 17 years old, first offense. And we get in the hammer, we get in the book thrown at us charged as an adult. Like we're not even really seen as children. Like, uh, even Trayvon Martin's situation, like he wasn't seen as a child. Like he, he was, uh, illustrated as a grown man to, to the media. So like, that's just how, that's just kind of how, how it's always been with us. And you see that uh, play out in the court systems and in police in time after time. Do you think the effect of social media has been a beneficial thing to all of this or or not or negative? What's that? I mean, I, here's the thing, you guys. I have seen some of the most outrageous posts. Rob and I have discussed this uh, quite a few times. I have seen some some of them female, female influencers who have taken a sign, gone to a protest, stood in the middle of a march, snapped a picture for Instagram, and then peaced out. So <laughs> th this is the stuff that's going on uh, on social media. That's besides the, the, besides the good the stuff. The beauty of it. Besides the good <laughs> a stuff. Of, but, a lot of cats. You know, where are we at? Why is that happening? Right. Well, right. 
Shame on that. Get likes up. What's that? No, yeah, we just don't do anything for clout, like you said. People do yeah. anything for clout. It just, right now, it just seems like to me that, like, wow, it's like, man, like if if it wasn't on social media and people didn't see it, like nothing probably would have been done. You'd have yeah, been but or something like something like you but, don't exist. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like it never see, happens, I mean, see, right? Yeah, you see, you see the influencers doing it. You also see, it, in my opinion, I think some corporations are doing it too. And it's like right. you know, people. I mean, that's what's cool or okay or acceptable now. But if you you know rewind three or four years ago, like you came out, like you couldn't even say, like if you said the words "Black Lives Matter," like that was controversial two yeah. months ago. So yeah, now everybody's coming out saying it. So yeah. it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. So it's kind of like the cool thing to do. So now even with players talking about, oh, you know, or coaches like, oh, I'm kneeling with my players next year. Like, okay. Like it's, it's, it's a completely different thing now. Like if everybody's yeah. comfortable, it's the cool thing to do. Like that's not, is that even a protest anymore? You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I think uh, like a lot of other things we deal with. Yeah. You just, do, just going, just going riding away. It's not really genuine though, a lot of it. Well, let's let's talk about that because Roger Goodell just came out and said, "I want to see Colin Kaepernick signed to an NFL team." This is a total one eighty from four years ago. And and I, and I got to be honest, you know, when he when he when he when he I don't know Roger, I've never, but when he when he came out with his first statement, the first one before he he talked about Colin should be signed, I didn't even listen to it. I didn't know whether or not it was going to be like genuine. So I didn't want to waste my time. Normally, I feel like perhaps, you know, it's questionable, you know, uh, uh, what, he, what he has to say. But, you know, Ricardo, you, you mentioned being Cap's roommate. How do you feel about Roger Goodell all these years later saying something like that? Uh, I, think, I, think, I think it's the time, it's the time for it. I think I don't know. Me and him, we've had a lot of different conversations. Um, we've sat in the press box and watched a lot of you guys play. Um, we've sat and had dinner with me, him, and his and uh, his his kids and his wife and stuff like that. So I know him and I know Cap personally. You know, uh, I think cool. sometimes there's situations whether you're good or bad that is political. And if it's political, you have to think about what will I lose? Will I lose this? Will I lose my job? Will I lose, you know, all the um, things that come with it? And then sometimes, and so you have to think about it in a position of power is helping one person worth me losing all these things. But I don't think it was one person. It was actually one person that was standing up for a race of people. Instead of looking at it as this one person that's on the field as you know causing confusion and trying to do this, I think he was looking at it as protecting his brand and protecting the NFL. And if everybody um, stands up, you know, all of America loves it. Yeah, all of yeah, it's running a business. Because if you look at it from Kaepernick's standpoint, he was willing to take an E and risk it all. Exactly. And, right. that, and, and the only way it works that both parties are willing to risk it all. I don't understand why now, though. Why all of a sudden? Now, because cool? you got all the cameras. It's because you have all the cameras and everybody sees it. So so then so yeah. then it, so then it can't be genuine. Then. To me, it can't be genuine. 
If if it, if, it, if it's just about the cameras and everybody, because now everybody's been able to see live and everything that's going on, then it can't be genuine. All of a sudden, oh yeah, I think it's cool for him to get signed. Well, I'm well you know what, you know what, Turbo, I kind of disagree with that because think about it. Like, if me and you were brothers and we snuck out the house every night, we're only going to talk about it with our parents when we get caught or when it when they actually see us on the security cameras and this, this, and that. So I think there were a lot of people. Uh, Caucasian people who, uh, you know, they felt like, oh, you know, I'm not doing anything wrong, so it's not wrong. But they're only talking about it now because it's being brought to their computer, to their phone, and they see it. And it's like, hold on, I can't just let this slide, even though it's not happening to me, even though this. So just because they didn't talk about it before, it just wasn't a part of their life. It wasn't a part of their reality. But now it's a part of everybody's reality. So everybody's talking about it. And you want to be so what I question if it's politically correct or if it's how you were raised, because you could just say things that sound good for your business. Or is this how you really feel? I guess that same thing you said is genuine, but I wouldn't count out everybody that hasn't talked about it. Is what I'm saying. I hear you on that. I just it, it, it's hard for me to label that and, and view that as genuine when all of a sudden, like, you know, the lights, the lights shining on you. And then you want to say, I guess, what you feel is the right thing to say just because of the situation when that was the right thing to say in 2017 and 18 and 19, you know, when, you know, what it looked like from, from my vantage point, you're, you're basically ousting somebody to be able to do what they love to do. For, for your greater yeah. good. Yeah. yeah for- yeah, that, yeah that, that wasn't, I don't think it was genuine. I, I'm, I, I, st- I had to step away for a couple seconds, but um, y'all still talking about Goodell? Right. Or, right. or just, yeah. It, yeah. So that, that Goodell was, he was basically a victim of the players really exercising their power. And, and, and like the, the powerful players, like put Hudson and, Patrick Mahomes saying, hey, this is what you have to say. Like that original statement was their their attempt at trying to be with the times and say what they felt was cool. Like you like we obviously seen it how you genuinely felt. And I was a part of um the group of guys that went up and spoke with the owners back in 2017 up in New York. Um how was that meeting? after week three when when Trump made his statements and a bunch of players. So that that meeting was it, it, was, it was crazy. It was, it was crazy just because um, you knew why you were there. You knew we were there because basically they – whatever they had, had to do, whatever conversation, they, whatever deal had to be cut, the knee was basically what they were there for because mm-hmm. they felt like that was affecting their – when you got up there, like, we told them, like, okay, these are the issues that the players are obviously dealing with, obviously – President kind of drew a line in the sand, or kind of like, okay, side of this in my opinion. But these are things that we're all aware of as black men, so we all had to make that choice. But as team owners, as whoever in the position of leadership, if you come out and say, "Hey, this is what," because that's when the narrative was kind of shifted to the flag, more so than even before. So if you come out as the owners and say, "Hey, we know what these." These guys are really about. We know what these guys are doing in their community. We know what these guys are doing in our communities where they're playing at. We know who these guys are through and through. Like we support them. 
that would have changed the whole climate of even the nation. Like, okay, the owners are coming out saying this, like, it'll kind of be viewed not as, as far as it is right now with everything going on, where it's like, if you speak against Black Lives Matter, if you speak against equality, like you're the outcast now. It was kind of flipped and reversed back then. So they could have definitely flipped that earlier, but anything that's coming out now, and that's why I don't think you've heard from a lot of owners because they genuinely don't, they genuinely feel the same way. So it's like uh, it, it's it's tough to take anything said now in the in the um, you know when it's when it's um, when it's safe outside like yeah you could, yeah it's safe it's safe to say whatever outside now so I don't I don't I'm not buying it now yeah I remember I remember being I'm sorry go ahead I remember being in um, uh, with my dance company in Czechoslovakia when the communism was in power and then being back in the Czech Republic when it all fell apart and, and became two separate. Um, countries. Those same people who are in power, who are oppressive in the government, their power shift was to be in the government in this non-communist country, which was supposedly not as oppressive. But I will tell you, the feeling was the same and the fear was the same. Like this kind of shift. How do you just shift? Like you, you know, do you know what I mean? Am, mm -hmm. am I making sense? Like they were this really oppressive regime and then everything fell apart and those same people are in power in this non-oppressive regime you have to be really I, I would i'd be watching out you know right that really that scared me you know no, and absolutely. i just wonder also you know as a teacher i had a public face yeah. i had a, I, it's and i think maybe um ricardo um said something about this like you know the, i had a public face i had to stand for the pledge of allegiance in my classroom so this may be unpopular for everybody here, but I had to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance because I was a public face in school. And there were many things I could not say, okay? Because my goal was to contain youth and to help them clarify their values. I'm going like this. I had to hold them and help them clarify their values and, and help them decide why are you making those decisions? Why do you feel that way? And ask really good questions and really have them a really transformative conversation with them hoping they would really see themselves. But I couldn't tell them what I thought or felt in a public in a public way. I wouldn't. But my why, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, that, that that but that's 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 how that's how black people have felt their whole life. Right. Like, like right. At, at no point in time before now black people regardless of where you are even 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 athletes making millions of dollars like a lot of athletes are speaking out now that you've never heard speak out before. Uh, Deshaun Watson and right. um, DeAndre Hopkins came out and was like, man, you know what? This has been bothering me since college. Like, right. y'all need to change those names of those, you know, those leaders or whatever. Cause that bot, like, you, like you're aware of it as a black person. You're aware of everything. Like you you know, the monuments that are in your city, you know, the, you see the Confederate flag, you see different things that bother you, but nope, NASCAR, like the US Marine Corps just banned Confederate flag on bases. Like, it's like you like as a black person, you have dealt with this oppression your entire life. So now when you were back in um, in Chizek, it's kind of like, OK, these same people are in power. But now it's a different shift. Like, I think a lot of black people are kind of looking like, all right, OK, like we, we hear you, but we're going to have to see like, OK, we're going to have to see if it's real. And uh, because of what we dealt with, with this skin, you, I mean, you, just simple stuff like the looks we get, um, you almost have to 
you know, open your mouth and start talking and then doing certain things. Or once they find out, oh, you play for so-and-so, oh, you are, oh, okay. And now you're treated for space. So yeah. that's something that I don't think it's hard to see, to understand that perspective from, it's like me trying to see something from a woman's eyes. Like it's certain things I just couldn't really understand. You know what I mean? So I, I understand that part of it. But when it comes to equality and things that's happening, it's kind of like I don't understand how you can be blind to that. Yeah, absolutely, guys. I wanna I wanna ask you this, and I'll, and I'll start with you, Donovan. Uh, you know, because you know some some of the some of the people that I've talked to uh, have really reacted in this way. Uh, has it been telling for you? And what I mean by that is uh, people that you've known five, 10, 15 years have they revealed themselves in such a way where perhaps during these times you've had to go another direction, you know, perhaps from your friendship or anything like that. Has any of that been telling? Absolutely. Um, I think, I mean, for my, for my group of circle, my friends, I mean, not too much. Like I, I feel like growing out here, growing up out here on the West coast, racism, a little different, you know, it's not so much in your face, you know, you got more Donald Sterling's where they, Behind the behind scenes, you know, they this and that, especially, you know, like coming from athletic background, athletic background, everybody is, you know, on your side, rah, rah. Like it's about the teams, about the school, then your university helping get them to the next level. So it's a whole different situation. But I mean, as a black man, you always have those certain looks and you always have them certain things because for some reason we, we seem as a threat. And me being a big black man, I'm definitely a threat to some people's lives. Yeah. But, but, um, but I. <laughs> hey, yeah. well, hey, that's what he decides to show you. You know. What I'm yeah, saying? yeah. You know. You know. That's another conversation outside of here. Um, no, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. They already know. But um, I think in the entertainment world, you know, you just have to. You just got to open your eyes. I think some people are just so thirsty to get on, so thirsty to get to the next level. So they just let certain things slide. They let certain things go through because they think they have to sacrifice that for your career. And I think you just have to stand on your manhood or your womanhood and just challenge that. If something's not right, go with your instinct. Yeah, go with your instinct and go with that. Like all money is not good money. That's and, right. and in the entertainment world, you know, you see a lot of these, you know, it, 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 as, as the higher as the higher things go hierarchy, it's the, it's less and less diversity. You know, it's all yeah. white, all males, no females, no, no people of color. And that's one thing I kind of learned, learned in the entertainment industry. And like you said earlier, you know, you got, um, you, you had to talk about the book about, you know, a white person writing for a black, a, a black boy, you know, a lot of these scripts is white people writing for black people, white people writing for Asian people and Hispanics. And, you know, they, they try to, Throw in that, you know, clever black thing, or try to throw in nigga in the middle of the scene of the movie, and you know, try to be try to make it cool, or think they addressing race, and it's not that. And I think, you know, as black people too, we just got to come together and unify and and, and put a stop to it because it, it it starts with us. It starts with the black people coming together because we so so much pride, so much ego with with our culture and. I think we know we just got to come together as as a whole, and then once once people see that, then I'll, then it'll help out too.
Man, it's just a lot of it's about, it's about, Oh, I let you go to see. No, I, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I'm, I'm just saying. No, it's go a ahead. Lot of pride. Hey, go, no, 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 no. Go ahead. Yeah. It's I don't know. It's just a lot of it's just a lot of pride. It just you know you feel like you submitting to somebody, and it's just it's just macho. We got a lot of alpha. It's a lot of alpha. But I feel like black people. It's a lot of alpha males. A lot of alpha females and people, and it's just tough for some people to see eye to eye. And then, and then, and then, and then, if it do it, get, it get it get disrespectful. Then it gets violence. Then we got black on black crimes. Mm. Uh well, uh, I think some of it is due to um kind of back to what uh, something else DC said about the uh, how people, especially black obscure actors in Hollywood, you know, we you know come off as thirstiest for certain roles and like. It's like kind of like in the corporate job in the corporate world, like you know, once you get up there, it's only a certain people that's going to be in this building. It's only a certain amount of black C level executives in this corporate in this in this corporate in this corporate in this company. So it's like you kind of get that crab in the barrel mentality. But the more I, I feel like it's a shift going on. I feel like it's been a shift going on. I think I, I feel like now this time that that has kind of been put up in turbo speed and like we we kind of realize more so like hey bro like we have to like we got to work together like that's the only way to to make a real change and make a real shift is like we got to come together and start to value each other start to value our dollar like our dollar doesn't bounce around in our communities because we don't own enough things so the yeah. more our the more we practice ownership from a young stage and teach ownership and it's passed around and passed down then we can give each other different opportunities and you won't have white men, white writing scripts for black people. You won't have like my sister's in the entertainment industry. And she's a, she's a, she's an actress. And she's told me that she sat down with writers and been like, told them like, Hey, that's not really like how I say that. You know, that's not like, that's not the conversation we would have. And they're like, yeah, 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 sure it is. Just, just do that. Go ahead. I don't. So like, until we can start really giving ourselves opportunities, um, that's, you'll start seeing change across the board. Yeah. 100%. Donovan, no, have you ever felt that insight. way when you were working on, on Ballers? Because I know that show is so based truthfully on, you know, yeah. what players experience in the NFL. And then what what are you told? I know a lot of the writers did work with former players, but like yeah. having to play a certain role based on, you know. I mean, hell, like, hell, yeah, sometime I'm, I had to go to them like, this shit corny as hell. Like, yeah. I, I can't say, I can't even, like, even me acting, I'm trying, I'm tr like. Like, did you just feel like, man, I'm being the stereotypical black guy that they think, like, I'm supposed to be. Like I would, I would get, I would give him one take just to say it, but just to see like how really? funny this shit is. Yeah, just so. Would you do you it know, like purposely bad, like so bad? Nah, nah, because you know I would do I'm, that. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a nah, professional. I try yeah, to do you my always job. gonna try to be the best, right? Yeah, but but they see like, oh yeah, nah, like then they'd be like, well, what like? But that they gave us a lot of free. They gave us a lot of freedom to like say we wanted to say, but it, but it was one encounter. Season one, I know me and my, my co-star Omar, we kind of felt a certain type of way because it was it was during a scene and they uh, during during the third episode of season one, and we had Rob Cordry, he got the ball head, he had a hot tub time machine. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, he right. tried, you know, he he character, he tried to fit in. He like a financial advisor. So he trying to fit in with the black people, fit in with the white people. He just don't know. He's trying to be cool. And then he ended up saying, nigga, at the end of the episode, and like, you know, he got he got reprimanded for saying it, but it was just one of the things that's like, 
why does this have to be in here? You know, like yeah. he could have said anything else. Like yeah. it's just like why, why that work? But yeah. uh, but at the time, you know, I'm like I feel like I'm a rookie, so it's like you can't you say, anything. say something, but then you don't know how to say it. You know, you don't want you. Don't wow, want to that's come so interesting. How did it change like by your fourth season? I think like I let I let I let I let O do the talking because he was more the vet big brother. So they had a conversation, but I just seen they they relationship never was the same. Mm. So you could you could definitely tell that happened. Yeah, you could definitely tell the rift in it. And I and I and I kind of seen, you know, just but but O the type, he say how you feel. He don't care. Like he, he I, got just, a I got a question. Hillary or Bridget, have you ever heard any person in your family say nigga or nigger? Like, and just no. you guys just in the house? Or no, never. Is, never. Or, or if you would, do is it just, do you say it like, oh, that's my nigga over there? Or is it like, you know, the nigga's outside? Or it's like, <laughs> hey, that's what <laughs> Like, do you have any friends? I, so in your whole life, you never heard oh. of say you're nigga asking me, You're Wait. asking me for my family? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you're, that's, that's a lot of... Um, I can only tell you that only, only kids at school. I, I can only tell you kids at school. Like, Mooley? Like, you, you, they said that maybe in New York? Mooley? What's a Mooley? What are you talking about? Oh, no, I see it in the movies. <laughs> no, I don't know any Mooleys. But, no, no. That, that's, that, that's some, that's some racial... What 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 I'm shit asking is that's some Italian like shit. Because uh, uh, we're talking about like where we grew up, and we're talking yeah. about how we grew up, and we we're yeah. afraid of the police and this and that. So from your perspective, have you you know like maybe just like chilling or you know whatever like oh yeah you know the niggas or like like you my niggas or like have you never heard only at school? Well, I can only say I'm of a different generation, right? Also, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. not in my family. Um, but I had a very unusual upbringing, uh, so I'm not typical. And I was the only white person in almost every situation I, I was in. I went to summer camp, so I was the only white person. So you like black guys? Um, <laughs> you want to know about all my boyfriends, or which one of my yes. Let's go. Name off. You want to know about uh, twenty? I got twenty-three of them, and two and two. One ex-husband. No, <laughs> no, that is so. You're so oh, you funny. The you the swoop. <laughs> oh, I got to look my word up. Spell that for me, darling. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Anyway, no, I I had a whole different upbringing. It was so different. College. I was one of three white people in a in a program because it was open enrollment at the university, City College in New York, and and they they did away. With um, with uh, closed ca- like campuses, you had to apply to That's everybody funny. could go to a city college, one of the city universities. So I had that privilege. I went my high school it was a high school in music and art. Fifty percent of the school was black, and we're all artists and musicians. Some of those people are famous musicians to this day, you know. So I had a whole different upbringing. My father picked us up and moved us out of the white Jewish Bronx to an almost all Puerto Rican neighborhood in Manhattan because he said this is unrealistic to raise your kids in this neighborhood. That was the reason why he moved? You guys moved? For that yeah. reason? Yes. Wow. Yes. He said, this is unrealistic. We will not raise you in this neighborhood. And my mother was an immigrant from Poland and her family died in Auschwitz. But so wow. she, so I had a whole, I had a whole different upbringing. It's a whole different time. So I may not be typical of what 
you know, you talk, we got to do this at home. We got to teach us stuff at home. You know, this is where it starts. And, and, and in schools, it's got to start. There. So you asked me, um, both my husbands were white, by the way. I just want you to know, <laughs> <laughs> including the current one. <laughs> but uh, not all my boyfriends, darling. So uh, <laughs> anyway, but seriously, it was a very different. That's why my father moved us. He said, this is unrealistic. You're not growing up here. And the first summer, we were poor. And he said to us, he said, he sent me to, a, you remember fresh air fun camps? Do you know what those were? Those were for kids who were underprivileged. And I was the only white kid there. And it wow. wasn't. And, and so for me, I didn't, I didn't blink an eye. And if I was uncomfortable, well, excuse me. Right? That's my problem to bear. Yeah. That's my thing to bear. Were you guys ever in a, in a, uh, like a racial injustice situation, perhaps, where you stood there and you saw both of you, you and you, you and Bridget? Uh, because, uh, you know, you know, Absolutely. assuming, obviously, myself, I, I have been in situations. Locke, I'm sure you have DB and DC. Um, but but yeah, you know, Hillary and, and, and Bridge, if you remember any situations and you don't have to go into specifics. You mean like happened. where I've had to stand up for my friends? Sure. If, if that's what you did. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's not that's- saying that you don't stick up for your friends. I'm just, you know, sometimes people what I'm saying is like there, there are situations where you just sit back and say, you know, what do you do? Like, you you don't do, there is no reaction. You just mm-hmm. kind of let it be and then you move on. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't like that. Uh, Well, I will say like Donovan is totally right that growing up in Southern California, it was so, it's, it's different here. Like I learned about how the rest of the country was later in life. And that was really just odd for me to accept like I didn't grow up you know seeing that so um that was very confusing to me so to answer your question nobody in my family no ever used that word um but yeah I mean I had some instances in college um oh no they wouldn't sing no Tupac songs no Snoop songs nothing <laughs> hey do I sing hey, oh, yeah. oh, I said back in the day you are Somebody said that word with the drop, with the top drop. Okay, no, hey, singing and rapping is different. That's different. Okay, that's the same shit to me. My wife can never say that word. I got, I got, yeah, yeah. So, so if singing and rapping is is different, would you? If that song came on right now, would you sing it the same way? No, because I just, I just dance. I don't sing the, I don't sing the. Oh, no, 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 no. See, here we go. We jump around right. the question. It's not mm-hmm. it's, it's <laughs> Yeah, but I don't. Okay, I don't. She, yeah, she, she, she no, I, always skip, us. I always skip the words and I like do something different. <laughs> I do something I think, different. I think, I think with the music, though, like, they, it's not, you know, they, they saying it, but like, it's not like nigga. They just, you know, it's a, it's a lyric, it's a word. Okay. Listen, like, <laughs> listen. Okay, I got a no, question. I feel you. I feel no, you. Hey, no, I got a question for y'all. Classroom. <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah, no. So I have I have friends that are white. I, so I grew up down south. Anybody grew up down south? No, see that's yeah, no. I'm from California. California. South yeah, Florida. South Florida. Florida. Okay. Southern California. So, <laughs> so, so I'm from I'm from all, so let me give y'all let me give y'all a history. I'm from Albany, Georgia. 
And okay. down south, you know, you still have plantations and all this kind of stuff. I can I can go down the street right now and go get some pecans and some other stuff. Oh, yum. Plantation, you know, whatever, whatever. But really, when I came to Seattle, uh, my first year in the league, that was my first time talking, really like hanging out with a white girl. So I was telling my boys, I'm like, yo, what do I say? Like, how do I talk to him? Like, what do what? I do? Because, because down <laughs> south, it's like, it's a black middle school, it's a black high school, it's black all of this. You see what I'm saying? Black, so black church. When I got there, that's when I, I was like, okay, cool. They like me because, like, West Coast, you know, West Coast white woman might, you might, you don't know if she mixed or what. But a down south white woman, she's 100% like Confederate flag. She's boots. She's cut off oh. jeans, shorts. Yeah, she's no. that. And, she, and yeah, no. she has no interest in black guys at all. At all. But I forget where, where I was going with that. But at the end of the day, um, but at the end of the day, you was in Seattle. Seattle hanging out. Yeah, you're in Seattle. You're in Seattle. You're in Seattle hanging out with a white lady. No, no, no. What I was going to oh. say, for the guys on here, have you ever been with? Uh, want anybody of another race and they be like, yeah, you know, my niggas do this, my niggas do that, and would you stop the girl or would you stop like your homeboys from saying? How fine is the girl? I just like, if you're trying to impress a guy in general, like try to keep your mouth clean. That's all. This is what I would always say. I would always just, this is my go-to right here. Be cool. That's what I would say. That's it. That's it. Male or female, friend or not. I'd be like, hey, just be cool off that for me, please. Uh, so you know Rob, what I'm like, I have a question yeah, for you. Nah, yeah. what, what do you think that translates to, to your friend? Be cool. What do you think that, what are you trying to say? You what I'm trying to say is like, don't say that. Don't say that. Not uh, around me. You know? That and they knew, yeah, like I would just polite. I just, a, hey, yeah. I, you know, I, I might chuckle with it. Like, hey, it'd be cool with, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, you know, because you know I'm not offended or anything. Like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not angry. You know, it's, nah, it's, it's, nah, it's all good. I get you know, you. we yeah. we boys or we we friends, nah, nice you know, female it. friend, whatever. I'd be cool, just you know, just. Be but cool. but it's but it's so crazy because like 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 Hillary said. What if you have a person that was raped? What if what if you were adopted by a black family and you grew up saying like, "Yo, those are my niggas, those are my cousins." Oh, like that's, every that's black. interesting. Yeah, so yeah, is that I mean, person listen, is that I, white person that's for in me, the house, it's, it's, Can they not say nigga? I think that it's. I think it's not okay. You're asking me. I tell you, I think it's not okay. But I, I'll tell you also. I think it's not okay. And I taught dance, so my kids had brought music when they choreographed stuff. They couldn't not only have that word in the music, they couldn't have any bees or holes or anything that was a put down to anybody that would yeah. be interpreted. What? I'm sorry, <laughs> I, taught, I taught dance in a public high school. Yeah. And kids, and the truth is, it's just like they were not allowed to tell racist jokes, sexist jokes, any yeah. put jokes in my classroom, because you never know who you offend. Hey, mm -hmm. but Young but people you, will not say, don't do that, because they want to be cool. But so, you know, that, yeah, that's what I thought you meant by be cool. Yeah, no, I no, no, to, no, no, no. I, like, I have to contain my babies and make sure they're all okay. Mm -hmm. But Locke, yeah. Locke brings up a yeah, great point. Yeah, I, I, draw, I, draw, I draw that line firm in the sand for me. I feel it. But that, but but I do understand that vantage point, though, that, that Locke is coming from, because I do know people like that who aren't black, but, but perhaps were adopted, grew up in a black family or grew up in a black neighborhood, all their homies. 
you know, are, 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 are black. And so it, 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 it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's natural, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I have a ton of friends who say, it and I don't say it just because they do. You have yeah, friends. That's, uh, that's true. But, 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 you know, I'm talking about like, you know, growing up in sometimes in the same household. I'm oh, talking yeah. about people yeah. that yeah, yeah, you see yeah. every uh, single day, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think, yeah, I, I think, mean, I think, I think people like that anyway. Like, if that's where you come from, like, you got common sense. You know, like, who to say that around and who not to say that around. Like, exactly. you just you know, you just say around a new niggas. Yeah, like you, 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 you know, you know what time it is. But like, you know, that's people trying to trying to fit in, be cool. Yeah, a lot, yeah. A, a lot, a lot of that got to yeah. do with you know not having no sober judgment. They got a couple little drinks in them. You know, yeah. they comfortable, but it's like, you're right, like, be cool. We ain't that, like, yeah. we ain't that comfortable. But you got to put that line in sand because they're going to push it every time because they think, you know, we cool, man. I thought we was boys. Like, yeah. nah. Like, we cool, but not that cool. Right. And another uh, thing, uh, not to take over Turbo Bridge, and no, I'm go not ahead. trying to take over your show, but another thing that I don't know if you guys have realized, but me, and I just realized that I'm the only one from the South, but... um. A lot of my friends, family, you know, some teammates is from the South. I don't know if you guys realize, but this year is the first year that America will have two birthdays. OK, so for me growing up, I've never I've always known what Juneteenth was. I've always known that, you know, but okay. nobody in my family is like, oh, yeah, you like, guys we're didn't celebrate, celebrate it. We're going to cook out for Juneteenth. But this year, there's been stuff on social media, you know. Yeah. Everywhere. We're not people are, get, people are getting work year. off completely. Like, Nike's giving all their employees time off. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. But what I'm saying is, the country is divided. Yeah. Because there's a, a holiday uh, that Christopher Columbus, uh, I guess, uh, found America when the Indians were already here. And then we celebrate the birth of America on 4th of July. And then also, yeah, you know, the true. Emancipation Proclamation was the day that slavery ended, but it really wasn't the day. Juneteenth is when the last day where, okay, y'all can leave. You don't have to spend yep. the night. Yeah, so really, like, do we yeah, celebrate Christopher Columbus or do we celebrate, you know, the actual day that our Well, Christopher was Columbus was a big racist, so... That's what I'm saying. It's the first year. No, nah, what, 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 I mean, we still, we, we still, we, 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 we Sips tea. We grew up celebrating Columbus Day in school. Yeah. But yeah. you know, I mean, when the forefathers, when the when the forefathers of this country back in it was 1776, mm-hmm. when they signed the Declaration of Independence and all that stuff, like we we were still like we weren't we weren't free. Like Rock we weren't. I just saw Warren Buffett say this the other day. So. We were free, so it wasn't that wasn't the we like we don't you can't celebrate you can't celebrate freedom July the same way as other people can right yeah, yeah so like it, it makes I'm sorry. sense like if you're in, in in some people I know, like you said it's only in the south in some places that they celebrate that but now it's it's gonna be like the first time where everybody on that Good. and I don't know about y'all I'm excited about it yeah absolutely <laughs> the other thing is um, like go you ahead say, you say um. Uh, Ricardo, you, you grew up in the South and, and then you come in here to Berkeley, California, which is, you know, the heart of, you know, uh, you know, the this social justice mm-hmm. movement and the school district doesn't have Columbus Day. They have Indigenous Peoples Day. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So mm. and, and unless we start changing some of this language, I mean, it's only mm. language. Well, you're so yeah. right. Totally. It's, it's only language. 
but it's important. We got to do this. And you're right. We are divided. We are so culturally different across this country. You know, we are really, but we got to start making some changes. And, you know, who was it? it was one of you said um, uh, the black community has to start putting money in the white community. This is a white, this is a white people's problem that they need to change. You know, if it doesn't come out of the white community and people don't start making changes and spending their money. I mean, I believe this, that this is you. And, and I was talking this morning um, also to Bridget about this. This is, you know, she asked me, she said, how do people take action? You know, what do they do? They want to do something. Do something. What's your, who are you banking with? Where are you spending your money? What do you do? Something. You don't have to do everything, but do something. And there are ways to do it without spending money. I've told people that I've given links. There are ways to go on YouTube, play a playlist, and the ads will run to support different black business charities. Like, there are so many great ways. So I I hate when I hear people say... You know, I can't help out because I don't have. Yeah, that, you know, I, you know can't, we can't do everything, but do something. <clears throat> is what I believe, and I think you know, I I believe in reparations. You want to talk about stimulating the economy? I got an idea. <laughs> Let's what we do with the Japanese who were interned in internment camps. Mm-hmm. You want to stimulate right. the economy? Mm-hmm. Here's a way. What's that? Yeah. What's no, that? I was just saying, yeah. Yeah. Can you uh, um, excuse my ignorance, but I have no idea what the Japanese thing is. Um, during World War II, the Japanese, you need to be in my class, darling. Yeah. I would love to be there, Mr. Roberts. Oh, I my goodness. Lock, lock, don't you set yourself up, lock. Oh he, went to school, he went to school down south, so it's a whole... You know, oh, yeah, I know. Seriously, Ricardo, I feel so bad. Like, there I'm, it like, is. I wow. I wish you would... Oh. <laughs> No, I, I don't. I don't know either. I, I ain't gonna leave you out there by yourself. Oh, you're a good friend. Well, during yeah. World War II, when um when uh, uh Pearl Harbor was bombed, the Japanese were seen as the enemies, and they were all put in internment camps here in the United States. This is an important piece of history because guess what? Everybody who was a who everybody who was interned in those camps, every Japanese person. Um, the whole thing with the Japs, you know, per, bombing Pearl Harbor. This was they were they were like considered these violent people. Japanese Americans were put in internment camps and had to live, had to give up their homes, had to give up all these things. And when they got out, they were all given. Uh, recently, in the last I don't know twenty years, they were given reparations, ten thousand dollars a family or a person. If, if I if I have that number right, mm-hmm. and that's important if you want to talk about reparations. Okay. Wow. Even wow. even Native Americans begin some bread too. Like well, they got a let me let me let me ask you a question, oh, yeah. and this is something that I'm not sure about. If the country is in debt, then how do you give people money? Like debt. That's all okay. that so debt doesn't. You know, we've been in debt forever. <laughs> we're never going to be out of debt. So right. we're never yeah, going to be out of debt. Thing. It yeah. doesn't matter. I mean, that I'm not real. let's go borrow money from China. Well, it's not. Yeah, they hate us anyway. It's like it's like I don't know. Maybe it's like when you owe money on your credit card, but you still get a paycheck, and yeah. you, you know you must spend the money on your oh, debit card. Okay, okay. You know what I'm saying? But, so we just looking over but, the debt. We just it, dealing with the cash. We we dealing with the back end. Also, I watch enough shows <laughs> that I've learned about how you can go and steal a printing press, like the places where you can go and make oh, money. Oh my gosh! We'll talk about that later. Yeah, she, you know, Bridget really thinks that. that she could be like a like a like a crime like expert. 
you know, like, that's, that's, and never that's get the, caught. The, the, like, the quarantine did that. I'd, I would be the perfect. <laughs> I'd be the perfect criminal. Like, yeah. you guys don't watch it too much. Know. Yeah, but, but, but when, when money comes, she's gonna tell on you. Yeah. Hey guys, listen, I want to, I want to shift gears. I want to shift gears. This has been great. I'm really appreciative of all you guys being on our show and being so open lock. I love it. Uh, uh, I want to, I want to shift. I want to shift into sports a little bit because I do want to, I do want to get your opinions on a couple things regarding sports. Hillary, feel free to. to I don't know anything about sports unless the Yankees or the Dubs. Uh, you'll know, you'll know, you'll know, you'll know. But uh, I do want to eventually be able to tell Donovan why I didn't, don't tell kids what I think and feel. So that's, <laughs> maybe we'll stay on later, Donovan. <laughs> okay. okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I mean, feel free to, to share that now. If yeah, it, you know. the floor is yours. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Okay, um, the reason I didn't tell them what I thought or felt because it's not my job to tell them. It's like when um, Michael Moore did the, the movie uh, um, um uh, bowling for Columbine yes. and uh, Marilyn Manson got on and somebody said, what would you tell a kid who, who was really in pain and wanted, you know, to, you know, do X, Y, and Z? And he said, I wouldn't tell him anything. I'd listen. And that really struck mm-hmm. me because the truth is we need to listen more and, and do less. And I needed to, the reason I didn't tell my kids, first of all, I mean, kids would ask me things, Ms. Roberts, did you get high? And I couldn't answer that question oh. because the kids oh. thought it was cool to be high. Right. Say, right. Would say, oh, man, she's so cool. And the kids uh, who thought it was uncool for me to have gotten high would say, oh, that's really uncool. And so that created a relationship. And if I didn't, if I if I told them I didn't get high, what would they think? OK, so my question was always. Tell, so obviously this is a big issue for you. Tell me about that. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. Because mm. It wasn't my space to tell them. It was my space to listen to them and ask them the guiding questions. And right. so I, now, though, when I left teaching, I, I don't have that public face. I don't have to stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance. I can say what I want. Are people who are my professional colleagues on my, my social media? Absolutely. If it's hard for them, I'm not the right person to, to work with. If they don't like my politics, I'm the wrong person. I will never sell my soul again, ever. I saw it happen too much. And I tried not to do it as an educator. Sometimes we were shut down. Mm-hmm. Right. I, so that that's the reason, Donovan. My job wow. to really listen. I can't tell you, please don't join the military, right? I have to ask them a question. Tell me what about the military is important to you? What oh. will you get from it? My job is to help them clarify their values, right? Wow. And for them wow. to find it. Now, if they said outrightly racist things, I said that's not okay in my classroom. This is a safe place, not here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So well, that's a very interesting perspective. Yeah, absolutely. That's, anyway. Okay, I'm Absolutely. done. Let's talk football. Okay. Yeah, no, I want to I want to shift to the NFL just for a brief just for a brief moment. And I just want to ask the 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 question. Hopefully Ricardo can can rejoin us here uh for this. We're losing uh, everyone. Yeah, uh but uh you know, some some a couple of weeks ago Drew Brees came out and 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 said some things that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way and then he and then he immediately uh, double backed on his statement. You know, my question to you guys, and uh, and I'll start with you, DB. Uh, did he lose his team? No. You know what? Honestly, I think um, I think uh, Drew's PR team needs to get hired by a lot of people. They did a, <laughs> a, a good job with apologizing, but not only that, I think what's kind of saved face for him is when he responded directly to Trump. 
um, because when I, I, and that was actually a part of my response to Drew's video, because being an athlete, especially a quarterback, you know how much they're interviewed. Um, mm-hmm. Like, you know what you're saying. You know what you're doing when you've been in an interview. Now, he was on an interview with Yahoo Finance, so maybe he was a little more comfortable than usually is with NFL media. But he asked, the guy asked the question and posed it and said, hey, you know, Caps, original protest was always about police brutality and whatever else. Like, what's your thoughts on that when it comes back? Because you think more players would be uh, protesting this time around. And then Breeze went back to the flag. And I, I felt like that was a, that was a, an offensive for him. But then once he shot back at the president, once he kind of was like, hey, Drew, you know, you didn't need to apologize, blah, blah. And he went back at the president. I think he kind of regained, like, he, he cleaned face uh, within that locker room where guys like, all right, Drew. Because his, his, his resume is a pretty solid resume. You know, he's done a lot for the New Orleans community. So I think he kind of saved face in that locker room. DC, you agree? Um, I agree so- and disagree. Like, I, I mean, I don't know Drew Brees, man. Like, personally, I mean, I, I just, like, I, I think I think he did a good job, like you said, saving face. He, I think earlier he didn't listen, so I think he did a good job of listening, taking in. But, but I think, you know, he said what he said. Like, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't forget, but I can't forget. I just think, you That's know, he's going to It doesn't go away. Yeah, I think you going to have some people, some people going to, some people going to rock on him, some people not. Like, he a hell of a football player. I think you didn't lose him as a football player. You just kind of, but I think Drew the type, he probably don't hang out with them dudes anyway. He'd be with his family, be with his kids. I think you just play ball with him and just keep it business and nothing personal. What you think, Locke? You agree? I think Locke's m- muted. What about you, Hillary? Uh, my, my oh, fault. go ahead. Go ahead, Locke. Uh, do, do I agree? What you mean, do I agree? Do I think Drew well, Brees well, lost the locker room? Yeah, well, DB says that, uh, you know, he, he came out with his statements. He's, he feels it's genuine that – that uh, you know, you know that everything is everything is. Well, good. no, I, I would, I would, I would, I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily genuine. But what I'm saying, okay. what, what helped him save face was when when he went directly back at Trump after Trump kind of backed him, like, "Hey, you didn't have to apologize, blah blah blah." And then he was like, "Nah, this is what it's about. It's not about the flag. This is what it's about." Right. I'm with the black community, blah blah. I'm listening. I don't think like hearing his original statement. It's not this a much different statement than he made back in 2017. It's just the times are different now. So we caught a lot of heat, a lot of backlash. But when he went back to that Trump, I think for a lot of guys, like, all right, I give him a second chance. You know how we are in locker rooms. It's like when we in there, like we don't rock with everybody anyway. Like we know, you know, who's who and, and who may have different beliefs and ideals, but. We in there to win football games. That's what we in there for. So as far as losing the locker room, that's why I said that. Yeah, yeah. And I think, and I mean, we've been on different teams and Bridget and Hillary, you worked at different jobs. And, you know, everybody at the job isn't your friend. You know, everybody, you know, that's in the break area isn't, you know, your BFF. So at the end of the day, if somebody feels some type of way, you know, I wouldn't say he lost the team because really at the end of the day, if the guys don't listen to him, then he never really had their attention. He might have lost the attention of some guys that he had. And once you do something, you know, sometimes it ain't no second chance. Mm-hmm. You know, it's some guys in the locker room like, bro, I don't want to hear nothing about what he said to Trump. I don't care. When he said that, it's done. You know, because and that's based on their perception of what they went through and this, this, and that. And they put him in the bowl of the same people that 
did their dad wrong, did their mom wrong, and you know, talk down and they so once you once you go inside that, just like America, once you become a felon, you can't become a, a, a reliable employee. You can't, you can't become vote. a business owner. You can't vote. You can't do certain things. So sometimes once you go on that side, it ain't no coming back. So I don't know. I think I think it all weighs on the perception of each player on that team. I have a question because um, I don't know. I know. I'm, I mean, I know Drew Brees hasn't been on my radar, really. A lot of other political stuff has been. But I don't know what he, he said to the president. Can you tell me what he said, Darius? I don't know. They, they, yeah, they said he he uh, he, uh, he said something responding to what Trump said. But I'm saying once. OK, so right now, Hillary, if you say shut up, nigga. There's nothing you can say after that that's gonna make you lose. That's what I'm saying. So if he, I gotta snort a little bit right now. Can you say that again? What am I saying? You see what I'm saying? But I'm just being real. I, I like that real conversation. So just like, just like, just like DB. If, if somebody in the locker room be like, "Yo, boy, you sorry as hell." Like for the rest of the year, no matter what he say, Turbo, like, yeah, Turbo, you gonna fumble. You a fumbling motherfucker. Like that's who you are. Like Donovan, like you can't act worth. And if y'all on the same set or Bridget, like you don't know anything about journalism, and you the worst cheerleader I ever seen. You know. And like, so once hey. they go to that side, it's no coming. It's, no coming yeah, back. I. I'm with you on that lock. Yeah, I, I ain't gonna lie. So, but what did Trump say? What did he? What did he say to Trump? I don't know what he, he said. Well, he, he well, was so he, he basically. I'm gonna look up the exact. Go ahead, you see? No, no. I was I was just gonna say like Drew Brees kept talking about like they talking about police brutality. He keeps talking about the flag. Like I will never take a knee mm -hmm. and disrespect our flag because, like you said, during the Pledge of Allegiance, you had to stand up. During during before the game, you doing you singing the uh, you singing national anthem, and he kept going back to the flag, talking about his grandfather's fought in the war, and uh, you know he on the military shit, and then he went and apologized, said, you know what, I apologize, I I understand what y'all what y'all kneeling for, and then Trump is like, don't 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 dis you know don't mm -hmm. backtrack, like he Trump is still on the flag, like we right. y'all shouldn't be kneeling, y'all right. should be putting your hand over your chest like that. So, right. you know, Trump, Trump, he's still on the flag stuff. He's not even talking about police brutality at all, which is a whole nother discussion. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then, and then Drew Brees went back to, so Trump obviously tweeted Drew Brees and then Drew Brees tweeted Trump back saying like, mm -hmm. no, um, it's not about the flag. It's about these issues and that, you know, yeah, now said, I'm listening and I understand. So, no, it's not about the flag of the military. He said okay. we no longer can use the flag to turn people away or distract them from the real issues that face our black communities. We did this back in 2017. And regretfully, I brought it back with my comments this week. We must stop talking about the flag and shift our attention to the real issues of systemic racial injustice, economic oppression, police brutality, and judicial and prison reform. We are at the critical juncture in our nation's history. If not now, then when? Okay, got it. Yeah. Okay, thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. I didn't know. Yeah. No, that's a great, you know, great take from yeah, all yeah. of you. Go ahead. No, I was about to say, like Locke said, you know, once once that toothpaste is out, uh, you know, there's no putting it back. There's no putting it back in, and that's how it is for a lot of people. But I think some people who 
kind of, you know, want to forgive him or want to feel a certain way about him, I de- uh, definitely going to give him that pass back. And just knowing NFL locker rooms, like when it comes to winning football games, like, you know, it ain't like Cats going to be dropping the ball and not running the routes. Like, they're going to do what they got to do to win those ball games and, yeah. and you know, do the best for they, for each individual family. 100%. You know, um, it, when um, Son of Baldwin, um, it's not actually, um, it's not actually um, Baldwin himself, but he call, he goes by Son of Baldwin. I don't know if you ever heard him. He's a writer. And um, I forget his name, Robert, something. I have to look it up. Um, but um, he, he, and I have this on my, uh, my desk here at, in my home office. He said, uh, and this is where I have to cut people off. We can, we can disagree and still love each other unless your disagreement is rooted in my oppression mm-hmm. and denial of my humanity and right to exist. And that's, and for me, that just doesn't go for me. That goes for my, for my brothers and sisters who are right. not white, for anybody who's, who's um, oppression, if, if the disagreement is rooted in their oppression or their- or Is that, their, did you say that was James Baldwin? No, it wasn't James Baldwin. He's called Son of Baldwin. His name is Robert something. He goes oh, Son of Baldwin. Okay. Son of Baldwin. Look him up. He's a writer, but he's saying. Okay. And I can we can I can disagree and still love you until you deny my humanity and my right to exist, and let and and your disagreement is rooted in my oppression. So that's when you start to like for me that's when i draw the line when people start to are really into you know we're, we're about to write a contract a, a proposal for the o- oakland police department my team and there are 10 of us on the team five, we're mostly women they're two men and five of them are black women with sons with black sons and we had a powerful conversation last night powerful about how could i go in and train the oakland police department mm. 400 years of oppression walking in there and these people hate me and they've been taught to hate me. How do I go in there and teach them about diversity or how do I go in and teach them about, you know, about any, about how to have a, how to uh, how defuse a difficult interaction. And so it's kind of, um, anyway, I don't know why I just brought that up, but you know, it's, it's almost like it was so powerful, this conversation. I'm glad we had it. We're not sure we're going to write this contract. We're going to sell our souls and do a little bit, you know, to help. You know, we're not going to change the systems. These are these are people who want to change the whole system. I do, too. Right. But right. anyway, I don't know why I brought that. I brought that up. Well, something. I mean, no, that's yeah. the purpose of this whole conversation. And, and uh, you know, we, we, we just want to bring about change and we want to bring about awareness uh, with everything that's going on and we want to hear different perspectives and, yeah. and it's good that yeah. we don't, we're not supposed to agree on everything, yeah. you know, whether you're, you're a listener, uh, uh, watching this, this stream, if you, if you've been a part of our chat, I think it's great. You know, I think, you know, argument is not always a negative thing. No, no. Argument is good. All right. It's good to have a different perspective and see things from a different angle and a different vantage point and have your own opinion yeah. at the end of the day. You know, you know, we, we all live like in this world and we just want to be able to like, at least for me, you know, when I view it, like, I just want to be able to live in a world where like, you know, obviously you're not going to like everybody. Right. But you just want to have, you know, equality. You know, you just want to be able to like live good. Like, regardless yeah. Of, like, yeah, regardless of your skin color or your ethnicity or where you come from or your background or the things you had to go through, like, like growing up. You know, like we just wanted to be like cool, 
like be cool like 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 you know like i was mentioning earlier you yeah, know. but how do you go into a situation when you have felt 400 years of oppression on you, you yeah. have black sons, and you're walking into a police department, we're trainers and consultants, and these these people, these police officers, hate, they feel the hate. They feel yeah. it every day in their lives. Right, but right. How do, you, how do you go in there and agree to love them and help them when they're, when everything is rooted in like in my team members, right? Yeah, in, well, in listen. Lack of their humanity. Like I'm gonna deny your humanity. One of the women said to me, how do we go in and teach humanity to people who have none? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, listen, you're not gonna be able to, you're not gonna be able to change everybody. <laughs> I, 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 I certainly, I certainly don't have all the answers. You know, I, I, I know, you know, I know it, it starts from the top down, if anything. Uh, but you know, it, it also starts with forgiveness as well. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. And it starts well, with I you as the individual. How do you want to, you know, how do you want to live your life? You know, one of the things that, that, uh, you know, sits heavy with me is that like, like, you know, we're all going to pass on one day, right? That's what we all mm -hmm. have in common. It's just like, you know, like, like, what do you want to leave behind? You know, that's the most important thing. What's your is, legacy is, is what you leave, you know? uh to the next generation and stuff like that and so you know if we can approach it that way and do everything in love like the bible says i think we can continue to bring about change like we have been and continue to move forward uh in a world uh that has you know equality all around it you know it's not about like oh you know black people want to feel like the victim all the time or this or this or that it's really nothing negative you know we just want change everybody i think just wants to bring about change and that's and that's the goal and that's really the goal of this uh entire conversation and so uh, i want to say thank you to all of our listeners all of the people who are interacting in the chat yeah. uh, i want to thank each and every person i know donovan i think had to, i mean excuse me db had to uh jet out here a little bit early oh. but i uh, want to thank him as well and thank everybody hillary donovan and ricardo for for coming on to uh, our first ever round table and not and, the last uh, and and not the last uh, but i uh, want to thank you guys i want to give you guys just a moment if you have anything going on like a foundation or or anything like that did you that you guys have coming up that you want to tell our viewers um that are that are listening in real quick uh before we before we head out lock uh i got i got a lot of different things working up but really, at the end of the day, man, my mind, uh, for me, okay, so business is like something that I do for fun, as crazy as that sounds. You know, it's like what I do for fun. It's kind of like after my love, after football. Uh -huh. But I'm very locked in on a subject. So once I'm locked in, I'm locked in. So for me, I would just say um, to everyone listening, everyone that got a chance to view this, a person that will view this, uh, do your part and change. Um, you might not be a writer. You might be a person that uh, uh, that just talks to your family members. You might be a person that, you know, just try, try to change the mind frame of your employees. You might be, a, you know, a person that um, that is in power and you could uh, employ some black people or, or Mexican uh, Americans. Uh, so at the end of the day, we all just really want to be happy. Everybody just wants their their perfect house and, you know, delicious food and a perfect vacation and that. And I think of a person 
does what they're supposed to do and they work to earn that right, I don't think that they should uh, not have that due to the color of their skin or where right. they're from. And at the end of the day, um, that's all that I ask from you guys. If you never support my business, my foundations, or anything that I invest into, I hope that you invest into the happiness of those that can't afford it. Do you want to tell us what uh, your foundation is and how we can support you and where uh, we can find you? Okay, so it's the Ricardo Lockett Foundation. And it's uh, for women of extreme domestic violence. It's women who live in shelters and uh, they have kids, no matter if you have one, three, four, whatever kids, you only get one room. And my foundation, uh, long story short, how I met this woman, this woman was homeless and she was beaten by her husband and put out and she had three kids. This was uh, the, it's a store right down the street from the VMAC uh, 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 Turbo. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I met her there and then I was just doing what I can to help her. Then, you know, my financial advisor, my agent was like, hey, you should start a foundation for this because it's something you care about. So I did that for uh, women of extreme uh, domestic violence. What we do is we get their hair, nails done on their birthday, Mother's Day, that kind of thing. The kids' birthdays, That's cool. birthday parties for those kids. That's amazing. I do speaking nice. engagements, and 100% of my money goes to them. So uh, it's for them to feel like, you know, that, you know, it's just because a man, you know, put them out the house or did something to their mom, all men aren't bad and there's someone that cares. It's for women of extreme domestic violence are homeless mm -hmm. kids. But and I have a trucking company and I have, I have real estate investments. I have all kind of different things. But that doesn't matter because right now the topic is everyone being happy. I can't tell you about my cars. I can't tell you about my house. I can't tell you about, you know, all the awesome four wheelers and side by sides that I rode today. That doesn't matter because there's somebody that's sitting in jail for stealing something that they didn't steal. And now they're in jail for 40 years, 30 years. And there's somebody else that stole something they got away with it because they were white mm -hmm. and that's wrong. So we need to fix that. And then we could talk about all the, you know, the investments and others. Yeah. Donovan. He says, yes. Hey, how y'all doing, man? Appreciate y'all watching. Appreciate you turbo having me on, man. Had a blast, but, um, yeah, you can, you can follow me on social media. Uh, Donovan W Carter. I don't have a foundation, but I'm always, always want to get back. I'm always down to serve. So I'm always doing something just in the community. Uh, definitely want to get a foundation soon. That's what I'm working on. Um, well, and if you guys are really spiritual, you should join Donovan for his lives. He always gets on Instagram lives and does uh, Bible readings. They're really powerful. Yeah, man. God is good, man. So 100%. You know, they, um, yeah, just just out here grinding. Just out here grinding. Okay. And hopefully, man, everybody just, like you said earlier, just have love in your heart, man. Just do your part. Speak up. Hold people accountable, and uh, man, you know the world be a better place at the end of the day. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Hillary. Yeah, um, go to our website, pureadvocates.com, and it's P as in poodle, o e e r a d v o c a t e s, pureadvocates.com, and we are an organization, and then um. We work with the community, develop programs and trainings and navigate and practices to navigate better relationships, bring about more peaceable outcomes. We build towards cooperation and strengthen that growth and cooperation. We work with school districts. We work with individual schools. We work with city agencies. We work with individuals and families. What we do as an organization is we work with everything having to do with peer-to-peer -peer programs, peer support, which I think the police department needs since suicide is so high in the police department. We do resiliency training and work. 
We do uh, restorative justice work, conflict resolution, diversity inclusion work, and we and all this work so that organizations, peoples, individuals, families, community groups will have better outcomes. And um, so, um, and we're getting on a digital platform because we need to now because changes. And what do I want to say? I, everybody has privilege in some way and use it. Use your privilege to give somebody a leg up. And if that means like what um, Ricardo's saying to hire black people or brown people or whatever you need to do, young people who don't have an opportunity, do it. Do it, do it, do it. Use your privilege if you have a connection to a school. Make contacts for a young person who wouldn't have that access to get to interview somebody at that school. Do something. Right. Absolutely. Something. Yeah, Rob, great you want to you share your foundation? and Yeah, you, I, you know, I have the Runner for You Foundation that supports people with cerebral palsy and multiple sclerosis. Two of my sisters had those diseases and they both passed. So uh, very, very near and dear to my heart. Um, but but yeah, uh, you know, I want to give a shout out to everybody who donated to today's episode. Uh, you know, my guy, who is it here in the chat? Uh My guy Pickle Boy donated, <laughs> and uh, and everybody else who donated, thank you yeah. so much. It's Your money goes to the cause. Equal Justice Initiative. Um, it's a absolutely. really great cause, of course. Absolutely. So prevalent in the discussion yeah, that we had absolutely. today. And this is not, like uh, you said, this is not right. our last roundtable. We're not having at one all. next week. Not yet. We'll have we'll have another roundtable. We'll have other guests, obviously, on our show. Uh, so tune in um, a week from today. June thirtieth, and, and and actually. Uh, Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button, yeah. the follow button. Uh, I'll be live on Twitch. I'll be doing some gaming and doing other episodes, obviously. But a week from today, on the 24th, uh, we'll have a special guest on our show. Ken Griffey Jr. will be joining our, our, our podcast, our, our Turbo Talk Live. So make sure you guys come back next Wednesday. Tune in for that. Following that on the 30th, we'll have another roundtable. Uh, don't want to don't want to put out who's going to be on that just yet, but uh, it'll be good. Prepared. You it'll don't want to miss it. Absolutely. Uh, so thank you guys again for tuning in. Uh, like I said, don't forget to hit the subscribe button, the follow button, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Thank all right, you guys. Have a good night. Thank you. See you later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.